Hey guys, this is Phil. You're listening to the Vision Church Podcast, and we're glad you're with us. Hey, I'm excited to show you this new episode because we had Pastor Joseph Wilson from Mysore, India come, and we were able to sit down with him and have a conversation about what they're experiencing, the kind of persecution that's coming against the church there, a new bill that's being proposed And man, it was a powerful time. It really puts in perspective what persecution really looks like, because sometimes I think we confuse persecution with comfort here in the U.S. So I think you're really going to get a lot out of this message. So enjoy. Hey, I want to invite, I want to invite Pastor Joseph up. We are, we are very excited about what we get today to do today. It's going to be uh, an interesting service. And so while he's coming up, come on up, Pastor Joseph. Uh, go ahead and put your hand on your heart. Say this after me. Father God, come on, say it like you mean it. Father God, I came here today to hear from heaven. And so I ask you, give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Joseph to sit down. Zach's going to join me down here as well. We are super pumped um, because this is Pastor Joseph Wilson joining us all the way from India, from my Yes, son. come on. Yeah. Some of you may remember when we talked about the church where um, they had the Hindu extremists came in and burned uh, everything, and you guys sewed toward that, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I, Pastor Joseph, I'm excited because I, I've been looking forward to get to ask you some questions and to draw some correlations between India, the United States, and talk about um, the kingdom of God and what it's like for you versus you know, what it's like for us. And because you've really challenged me in a lot of things this week. We've been hanging out all this week. We put up Christmas lights together. And he experienced his first Thanksgiving. Didn't know what that was. So that was exciting. Yeah. And he was thankful. And so, but I don't want to give away too much of the stuff that I, that I want to draw out of you. And, uh, and we prayed together this morning. And so I know that Pastor Joseph's going to speak by the Spirit of God. Um, but I want to start with the first question. Here's what's, here's what's on my heart for the first question is, um, you guys have, and India has, a uh, parliamentary democracy. Uh, the United States is a republic. That's our form of government. And so we have a constitution. You guys have a constitution. We have a constitution. Our constitution is by the people, for the people. That's why it begins with we, the people. And so, uh, so the people are empowered. So we're supposed to pick those that we want to, you yes. know, have leadership roles in our nation. And if we don't like the job that we're doing, we, we have the responsibility to vote them out of office. So explain to us um, your democracy, because you talked a little bit about how you were under Britain, British rule uh, there for a while. And kind of explain what happened to bring us up to date. 
Wow, awesome. Uh, before I could answer that question, I want to bring greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, we bring greetings from our family and from our church. So we only knew you guys audibly that whenever I speak to Zach and Pastor Nicole, you know, it is always Vision Church. So before answering the question, we want to bring all of the love from our church, from our family, to every individual over here. May God bless you all. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. No, it's such a joy, such a joy to share this place, to be part of this vision life. And coming back to answer the questions like Pastor Phil has just asked. Yes, uh, we were ruled by the British people till 1947. And uh, 1947, India got independence from the British rule. And ever since then, we are a democratic country. We have a free democracy. There is a free constitution that has written for our country. So our, constitu our constitution is equal to every religion, is equal to every person who is a citizen of our country. And also our constitution, our nation is a Hindu nation, which has been led by so many, so many things. Yet we have a freedom of speech. We have freedom of right to choose what religion that I need to believe. It's all up to us. But saying that, India is such a populated country with over 1.35 billion people. So majority of people are Hindus. So they are very hardcore, stubborn, religious people who are ready to do anything when it comes to religion. They don't care the development of the country. They don't care the employment. They don't care the poverty when it comes to religion. All, even at the last breath of their life, they are ready for their religion, no matter what it takes. So you said, yes, you said a few days ago, you talked about Gandhi was the one that, that really kind of spearheaded getting free from the British. Yes. Now, he established in your constitution, what, what type of government was that? He was, because you talked about the difference between the Hindus, like this RSS group. Yes. Okay. Uh, briefly to tell that our freedom was won by all the people of our nation, irrespective of which religion they were, which political group they were, or which activist they were. But as, as the movement was going on, there were another movement that started in India in, 19, in the late 1910. So that group was majorly founded on religious principles and religious doctrines of Hindus. They wanted, they, Britishers were like terrorists to them because British people brought Jesus to our land. And they were able to reach the uttermost untouchables in our India with education because most of the people never wear dresses, including the women. So they were very easy targets for the Christian missionaries from British to come and read. So when that was happening up, a group, that a sect that was raised up were very much against Britishers in the name of religion, freedom, etc. So they politically wanted to influence India to make it again a Hindu nation. So they began to fight against the Britishers. Once the independence took, got over, 
they started to politicize our country with the name of hindu so they were to such an extent that they were killing other religious people like muslims and christians because they wanted to hold the power it was a threat for our democracy so then the ruling government what they did is they barred this organization from contesting elections so now that just remained as an organization but what happened was few of the people from that organization formed another political party so in that way the political party which was founded by them was completely related to them funded by them but to the public they were not connected to them yet they came to the power when they came to the power it is that religious group leading those people so their agenda is the political groups agenda so in this way a country is divided rigorously in the name of religion so when this is happening up constitution which gives rights to everybody is being blindfolded even though injustice is happening up to the christian community which they call us as the minorities untouchables when we worship jesus they say that these people are worshiping a god who is not even equal to dust he he is an untouchable god so in this way they began to put a mark on christians so whatever christians even though they are right they want to have their constitutional rights they shout so loud that the whole nation can hear their injustice but even though when they shout 95% of hindu population out of 1.3 billion people are deaf to the cry of christians even though you are audible you are not audible to be so that's what happening up with the constitution and as the years has passed by our country has forgotten the foundations and the principles on which our nation was founded i'm not speaking religiously but our country was founded on the on mahatma gandhi who was inspired by the teachings of jesus christ he went to south africa for an education and he found he, he went to a church just like this one sunday because he loved jesus christ he loved the sermon on the mount the be attitudes he was so influenced that he wanted he was a hindu man he wanted to go to church and worship jesus but the church in south africa they were white since mahatma gandhi was dark he was not allowed to enter the church he never entered the church again but this is but yet he loved jesus so much with the principles of be attitudes he fought for the freedom of our nation and he is victorious so so this rss group has really influenced the the majority of your nation now you you myth bust, busted something for me um recently because i was told that the extremists were lived more in the north and the christianity was more tolerated in the south and you answered that question yes uh, most of the people has this wrong perspective of most of the persecution happens in the north and south is an easy ground i born and brought up in the south 
and uh, I pastored planted church in the south even I planted eight churches in the north in the state of Orissa so I have a good idea of north and south especially with the ministry but it is not as that what you have said and what you are thinking there is a persecution in every corner of the nation so north is as equal to south and south is is equal to the north persecution is widespread now the root cause of persecution is as i said rss which is founded in 19 late 1910 has rose up to such an extent they are brainwashing every hindu group of people with the name of god and they are spreading hatredness against christians telling that these people are converting people and they are snatching people from our god they are defaming our god so when people are getting used to these kinds of sentences they are furious to attack any christian whom they meet and when they see a church gathering there so this is the mindset and brainwash of rss which is established in the central part of india spread all across now their strategies to strengthen up their group is this india is 1.35 billion people and they target the universities and colleges because universities and colleges have elections who could become the president general secretary so they influence politically in such a way that that they make a member free membership of people into their activities now rss is not only one organization under that organization there are multiple wings that are spread across for example abbp is another wing of that organization now sfj it's another wing of that organization shivasena it's another wing of so like that i'm talking about hundreds of organizations which they are all together working for one agenda so they make membership of the students so when they make membership they find the best person in that college to fight against anything else so if that guy need to be recognized as some of the leader so he has to be recognized so what he has to do is he has to do something their 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 leaders love to see and their leaders love to see hatredness against the christians and attacks against the church so this man takes up 50 100 people and attacks the church and that's becomes a big need and that is what needed to this group so in that way they have grown up in such an organized structure that now to cut that root it's impossible um so you you shared a little bit about the history and you know when you started the church and some of the transitions that you went through I'm talking about from the very beginning when you were back in Hoodley as I said yes and and then you now you're in Mysore and you moved to a, a different area you, and so um you had to transition what two or three times talk yes. a little bit about that and what led up to the extremists um attacking against recently uh i want to tell about the city of mysore god spoke to me in 2008 when i was all well off in my hometown i had a one church with 150 people zack and rebecca ministered there i have my parents over there everything 
So God spoke to me to leave that city, specifically everything, and go empty-handed to a place which I had never been before. For me to go to that place, uh, I just want to take a couple of more minutes to tell this. For me to go to that place, I saw a dream. Uh, my neighbor had a baby boy and they were going for employment every day. They go in the morning and come in the night. So I used to take care of that boy since he was three months old. So my relationship with that boy grew so much that he means more than a son to me. My Even in my imagination, I can't take if anybody threatens him. I can't take even if he falls down. That's the attachment and bond that I have. So one night in the middle, three o'clock in 2014, I saw a dream that that boy got kidnapped by some of the radical groups. And, and there was chaos all across. I was running undignifiedly. I never thought who I was. I was mentally blasted. I was running house to house. Never cared what people are thinking about me. I was running without shoe. You know, I was doing all the mad stuff just because I wanted that boy back to me. Even though he was not my son. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. It three days in my dream. Three days. And finally, I was running from place to place. In the deserts, I was running. And I found an old house with, without the roof. And there I ran and ran. I, see, I saw so many small kids over there kidnapped. Hundreds of them. And I was not cared about them, but I was looking at that boy. I ran to the first floor and I see this boy at a corner crying. Just He, he is so much in pain. Dirt. No food. Trauma. And he was crying and he was calling my name. I rushed to him, hugged him. You know, I brought home and, and I woke up to sleep and I started to cry. I started to think about this. What happened to him? Morning broke. I went to their house by 6.15. I remember I never shared with anybody. I saw the parents. I saw that guy. I sent him to school. You know, I came back home with depression. Why did God show me this dream? What is this you want to teach me, Lord? And that's the time God started to speak to me. Joseph, he, you love that guy. His name is Aaron. Aaron. You love Aaron so much. He is not your son. I said, yes. He's not my own. I love him. He is not, he not even your relative. He is just your neighbor. I said, yeah, I love him. And God said, you were unable to take it when he was just separated from you for three days. You were unable to stay. You forgot your life. You forgot your identity. You were like mad dog running on the street, house to house to find him. You never cared what people think about you. And you found him. What if that boy eternally gets separated from you? And that broke my heart. And the next thing God spoke to me. All the people in this world, no matter what religion they are, they are my being. They are my creation. They are my children. Each day I suffer when I lose my own children. How much pain am I bearing? 
that shifted my whole mission life from then i started to really love people i really started to see people irrespective of any religion they are the children of god and that dream in 2018 when god spoke to us to leave everything and go to a city me my wife my daughter was 2 years old at that time we never knew that city we don't have any friends we never knew where we stay we went there i never googled about that city because this was the blind thing god you are telling us to go there and i want to obey you in such a way that wherever you take me i believe those are the people whom you want to be blessed through us so we ended up going there we we founded a house after 3 months of struggle we rented the building we begin to pray from proverbs 21:1 and then one plumber came to our house to work in our house i began to speak to them and this is what he does you left everything and came to our city to pray then i said yeah then 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 i said how do you that i love to see the happiness in the families i love to see blessings of god's in the families he was shocked after a month after a week he calls me and says would you come to my house my auntie is with cancer would you pray we prayed god healed her and she is still alive that family took us to more families and we started church in our house living room and the place was not sufficient at the veranda outside where you all park your cars that's where we had a church and the neighboring people started to give complaint against us they gave police complaint they said there is you know there's a lot of disturbance happening up illegal versions are taking up the police so finally we were so much pressurized and we were forced to stop church we want 28 people we left again we needed to shut down and we came to zero again that was the first time we started and again our church started with a girl who is 23 years old whose husband left her she has two young kids she wanted to commit suicide she started to work in our house we wanted to provide some job to her and the the love of christ that she saw in our family for her that made her to give her life to jesus christ and and we our church started with her again and we grew we grew and before the church could be shut down again in our house we we found a rented building and we quickly moved and last year february we started our church where bishop robert bartlett was there we started our church and now nicole's there yes and now we are 55 in average we run our worship service every sunday come on and for the glory of god i want to add like 95% of the people never heard about Jesus never know about Abraham Isaac Jacob never know how to pray never knew what is worship and never knew about church and i i noticed too cuz like you said we had the the pleasure to get to go and, and experience india and that was the farthest that i had ever been so much so that i saw a white guy in our hotel and i assumed he was american uh 
didn't realize that we're closer to Europe uh, than America. So <laughs> I was so excited. But then, yeah, so I found that out. But I remember this, this one time, because uh, you had us jumping all over the place. It was incredible. Uh, but one of the places that we went to, it was in the neighborhood. It was that tent that was set up yes. in the neighborhood. And we go in there, and there's like, I want to say close to like 17 to 100 people just crammed into this little tent. And we're starting to share the gospel. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out. We lost power. And I just hear this voice just passionately preaching the gospel. And, I mean, lights go out and everything, and it doesn't stop. And then the lights, people start pulling out their phones, and they start shining their flashlights. And lo and behold, Joseph is just there preaching the gospel to these people, just sharing Jesus with these people. And then once we finished there in the tent, I mean, we prayed for every single, I don't think a person left there untouched. We prayed for every single person that came through. And then after that, you led us around back because the pastors of that village were there. And you led us around back. And we went in and we saw their church building. And their church building was a little chicken house around the back in a field. And I'm five foot eight, so short guy. And I couldn't even stand up straight in the, in the tallest portion of this chicken house. I want to say the chicken house is probably about five feet tall. Yeah. And then it had a slanted roof, so that doesn't even count. Close to the bottom of it, it was probably about three feet. So where people are sitting, they may have a roof right here on their head when they're sitting in their, mm-hmm. in their seats. But they were there to hear the gospel. Yes. And these pastors and these people, they served us like we were kings. And it reminded me of Elijah whenever he went and the woman and her son were about to cook their last meal. And he said, you cook it for me. And you lead with that mentality in India. We saw it the whole time we were there. We were there for around three weeks. And you lead with that mentality to where no matter who comes to you, you're willing to cook the last meal for them. He experienced Black Friday for the first time. And, and uh, we knew he had truly had a good experience when I, when I got home from work. And I saw he had like four bags laid out with just stuff in them. And, That's me. <laughs> yeah. And so I come in and I see all these bags of, of clothes and we're like, well, Joseph, show us what, show us what the Lord did. Show us what you got. And he starts going through these bags, just picking up these clothes and showing us everything. And probably the first eight or nine items, Charlie, you remember this too. He was holding up these shirts. Not a single one of them was for him. He was like, this is for this kid who's 15 years old who's serving in our church back home. This right here, this is for my wife. This is for my daughter. This is for the, these, this, these other young boys in our church that have never heard of Jesus. You know, and he's holding up all this stuff when we finally had to ask Joseph, Joseph, what'd you get for you? And he pulled up one jacket and then another jacket. And he had gotten three jackets for himself, but everything else he had bought putting other people first. And that's what I saw from Joseph in a, in a country where you know, you're constantly feeling like you're having to look over your shoulder for preaching the gospel. You were believing God for uh, soundproofing in your church building because, you know, if you're too loud, people can call the police, police show up, and you have to run your church as a, as a, as a music school and those kinds of things. But share, share it to the people because they had seen this a couple months back uh, in July the 2nd and what God and what had transpired, but the faithfulness and the goodness of God explain just to the people, first of all, what happened on July 2nd, as well as what was going through your mind and how God did such a work in you to be able to keep your faith strong in the midst of of terrible persecution. Absolutely. Like, before answering the church, like, you know, 
personally i have grown up not being accepted by people like i was always wanting to be accepted by people loved by people because i didn't had any brother siblings blah 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 so when i received the love from people like pastor phil zad pastor nicole and the whole family beka it feels me such a joy and when i feel such a great excitement and joy the same excitement and joy will be felt by my church when i give something no matter it could be a small chocolate no that's that's what i wanted them to experience what i experienced the love so well the second thing is about the church uh when we were running the church god uh, you remember i said i wanted god to take me to a place where he intended me if i intended to go to a place then that could be the safest place which which provide security to me that is the place that i ask if i ask my friends or somebody where is a good place for me to stay they will show me a place which would be good for me which would be good for my protection but but here is a battle that i had i wanted completely in such a way that tomorrow when i speak of a miracle it has to be god no man should be involved in that including me so that was with that mentality i just free myself wherever god took i went off so god brought me to a place where we have a church right now and in the year 1987 there was a pastor who is no more now he passed recently last year he came from a different city like me and planted a church same area where i have a church right now in the year 1987 till 1992 he was renting a place and he was leading the church but the group extremist threatened him and the church and they you know drive away those people from this place ever since 1992 the believers the pastor began to pray for that particular area and in the year 2019 god took me there i mean can you imagine after 27 or 28 years i became an answer for those prayers so that's the place where i landed up and when we had church over there now the pastor who prayed for us he came to me and spoke we prayed for so many years and god brought a young boy from a different state different city to plant a church over here so that is the birth of our church over there and that's the miracle god was doing when we began our church i was always conscious of things might go wrong so whenever we worship i stand near the door greet church people and i was always aware is there anybody watching blah 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 so we did not had a soundproof glass doors and and uh, you know that's the time i spoke to you people and, and you guys supported us for that and we fixed the glass doors and also we needed a ac so when we were going up uh, sound was cut off and finally but since we were growing up in number most of the hindus were coming and by this time we baptized eight people and they gave their life to jesus christ and they are committed and one of the family that committed is this they were they were like the priests in their temple they performed the rituals so husband wife two children boys when i shared gospel to them they gave their life to jesus christ and they traveled for more than one and a half hour by local bus to come to our church 
This got to her husband, and her husband is an alcoholic. Started to physically abuse that family in the worst of the worst conditions. Stopped talking to his whole family. He polluted the minds of that village. The whole village abandoned him. After few days, that family shifted their house to the place where we are right now, church. And this is what she said: "I love my husband, but I love my Jesus more than my husband, and I still pray for him. I believe God will touch him and bring him back." Well, why I say that is, when we do ministry, when we are ministering among the people of those identities, hatredness is more. Jealous is more. Anything might happen at any time. When God is effectively using us, there is always a group of people who are keeping an eye on us, and and they're keeping an eye on our activities. So I received a lot of threats, a lot of phone calls, uh, threats asking me to stop what I'm doing. So to cut the story short. July the second, we were under the lockdown. At the night, at eight o'clock to eight fifteen, some group of people set fire in our church. They broke the glass, they broke the window, and they set the fire. We had a drapes, floor mat, the sound, and and you know there was a wooden partition that divides the Sunday school department and to the main sanctuary. So they set the fire, and I got a call from the building owner of the building. Said, "Sir, there is fire in your church. Would you come? Because the keys were missing." And I rushed to that place, and I saw more than twenty police officials, fire engine department, and the local thirty-two, thirty-five people just standing. Now this had just happened at a time where your wife and daughter weren't even in town. Absolutely, they were going with it, her mom. Yes, it was eight to eight fifteen. This incident took place, and ten thirty, we had a train, the same train that we all took. The train, they were up to because my mother-in-law had a spinal cord surgery Saturday, the third, and second night they were traveling. And second night, fire in my church. And so now you're here in a city that you moved to. You don't know very many people at all. Yes. Your family's not even there. It's yes. just you and just all of me. these police officers, fire department, and everything. So Absolutely. Keep, keep, keep when going. I when I got a call, I rushed in my blankness of mind. The moment I went there, looking at the trauma, the church is getting burned, darkness all over, smoke is coming out. My heart started to beat so fast I couldn't imagine. My my tongue was dried up, trembling, and I don't know what to do. Police department on both the sides. The people are watching me. When when I gave my keys, they opened the door. The police rushed into blah blah blah, and and I don't know what was happening. Believe me. After that time, the police started to take me aside. And this is the first question they ask: What's your name? And I said, My name is Joseph. Then said, Are you a Christian? Then I said, Yes. With the language that I spoke, with the with the with the tone that I spoke, they said, From which place are you? Then I said, I am from Mysore. No, you are not from Mysore. Tell me from which place. Then I said, I am from Hubli. Why did you come here? 
Then I said, I'm a music teacher. Because I def- really play drums. So I said, I'm a music teacher. Music teacher, what do you do here? I teach music here. That is the trauma I began to see right first time in my life face to face. It was such a crucial. They were dragging me so much. They were dragging me so much. This is the word one of the police said to me. He said, sir, because they tried till midnight, 1.15. From 8.15 to 1.15, I was made to stand on the street. They were asking me so many questions. Here is the thing. They knew that was church. They know that I am a pastor. But they legally wanted that to be getting from my mouth. They wanted me to take, take to prison. And here is the best deal that they wanted to make. We will file a case against you, against the owner of the building and the people who set fire. Nobody know who put the fire, but everybody know it was the radical groups. Even though they get to know who did that, nobody has guts to put them in prison. Because political leaders influence is on them. So if I accept to their condition, I would become the scapegoat and I would be in the prison. So I was praying on one side. So this is the this is the word the police said. Sir, you are deep in the water. Either you need to swim or you need to be drawn down. Tell me what you are going to do. I did not open my mouth forever. I just folded my hands. I don't know whom to call. It's night, close to one o'clock. I don't have friends over there. I don't know any officials who could support me. I don't know anybody who could come and say, he's a good boy, we are going to see. That, that was the situation created. And adding to this, this police has spoken a lie to me, telling me, here is the thing. The owner was still on that side of the, because it was a loss for him. And the police comes to me and tells me, even the owner is ready to file a complaint against you because fire has taken in your place. That gave me such a cut that because I know the owner, he is a Hindu, but he stood for me. And I knew he will never tell that word. At that time, within the fraction of a second, the owner walks to me and to the police and says, He's a very good man. He's a music teacher. He has no wrong over here. And I want to tell this for the glory of God. When we, our house, we were running the church, the people were crowded, overflowing. We needed a building. We just prayed only once. That was on Tuesday, November 2019. We prayed, Lord, we need a building. Because we don't want to shut down again. Because this, for this is the reason that we left everything and came. I tell you, we were mentally broken. Nobody to talk to us. A pastor for 150 people ended up being nothing. With a family and friends, ended up with nothing. So everything was online for us. And we, we didn't want a church to be blocked. And when we pray, the next day I get a call. Pastor, are you looking any place to run your church? 
Then I said yes. There is a place for you, Pastor. They are constructing the building. Please come. I just went there, and this God is my witness in this place. When I was getting down the stairs, the owner of the building over there, and he just saw me, and I just wished him good evening, sir. How are you doing? So good to see you. My talks with him were hardly for fifteen seconds. The moment I spoke to him, this is what he exactly, sir. How peaceful are you, sir? When I see you. and how good you talk people like you if they come to this place we will be blessed that is how we were able to get that land renting and that kind of a man cannot speak against me when he know what we are doing so he spoke on our behalf and and helped the police and me to get away and yet the police they came for more than a month search of me Like asking me, come to police station. The officials are calling. We need your signature. We need your letter. Blah blah blah. I escaped that place. I went to Hubli for two and half weeks, three weeks. Again, they were coming. Finally, I came to there. Within a month, it was dissolved. And what I want to say is, I have literally seen trauma face to face for the thirty-six hours, Friday night till Sunday. But here is a beautiful thing. I have even seen the invisible hand of God yeah. that night. Yeah. 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 You know, it it means something different. You explained um, to me about your sweatshirt, which is why I asked you to wear it today. <laughs> we'll watch it before you go. <laughs> my my wife couldn't recognize this, but to, because usually this is not the way that I go to Sunday. Then she said, "Why are you like that?" Then I said, "Look at this picture." That's the wow! I did not observe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's beautiful because that that you know when people get born again in India, that means something a lot different than it does here. We talked a little bit about the cost of that salvation is free, but the transformation is going to cost you everything. Yes. And and we talked a little bit about that, and I just wanted you to share. You know, for you, you know, you talked about how you're going to put Christmas lights on your house when you get home, uh, and you'll be the only one. Yes. Well, can you can you share a little bit about that and and what that means? Ah, uh, more like to me personally, I want to talk on from my perspective. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, He was everything for me. Whatever I do, I wanted to present Jesus to the world. especially with the community that i knew by so uh, you see we are i am and we are very fascinated to wear anything that speaks about jesus and we are very very much loving to do anything that that relates to god and so we we always so this this the picture i just want to tell about the sweater this i love so much because we don't get this kind of stuff in india no you know so because people 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 don't know this value they see just this as a religion and people we don't have companies who could do this for us so when i wear this i'm i'm indirectly speaking whenever they see me you know right words have power bible says whoever calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved jesus christ is his name So when you see this, whom do you see? Can I hear a bit loud? 
you are saved <laughs> so so my ultimate goal is that when when i wear these kind of things among the people who never believe jesus in a different community in a different religion and and when i wear this this they, they see jesus on the cross you know and it attracts people so here is a deal why i wear this is just to make people know without my voice that i am a believer of jesus christ and i love jesus and why i decorate my house is there are no christians surrounding my house purposefully i put all the lights for my house so that people will know that i am a christian and i love jesus and i celebrate jesus and that is how we take every opportunity that comes in our way to to make people meet jesus christ <laughs> i did but yeah um and with that your your outspokenness but also your your fearlessness to go wherever the lord tells you to go and and i was i was harkening back to that other moment we were in the you had us in the van and you were taking us to this certain part of the city uh and you had never done this before but you looked at all of us and you said okay i need you to get down not the best lead in but you know <laughs> it was like i need you to get down and so we all we all duck. got down yeah <laughs> like duck and i was like i've only seen this in a movie i've never actually experienced it so he said get down and i will tell you when to come up and we're going to turn the lights off yeah so they turned the lights off in the bus we all got down and the driver's still driving and you're up and you're like a hawk you're looking at everything and um yeah and so i remember we got to that place and then you said okay now we're going to walk we're going to go straight out of the bus and we're going to go straight into this building and we're like okay and so we get out we walk in a straight line and we walk straight into this building we walk into this building and it's another church but it was in a radical hindu area and you had told us that this church had been destroyed by the radical groups many times and they just keep rebuilding it the church just keeps rebuilding and so we go and pop up was with us uh and so he gets up and b was always laughing about this that he gets up and he starts preaching and in this radical hindu neighborhood pop up is just screaming the name of jesus shouting from the top of his head just how god is not an elephant god is not a cow god is the true and living savior jesus christ and everything and he's declaring this and you had your two friends with us noel and isaac and they're standing there and they're like watching like they looking, them to stand near they the stood door. at the door yeah and they're looking out and they're just watching things and bees looking at me like uh, like i don't want to you know you know all these kinds of things and but i remember in that moment on just the fearlessness of you to go into a place that was a hostile environment and much less to bring a group of eight or nine americans <laughs> that people i'm sure if they saw us they would know why we're there and you just marched us straight in and we proclaimed the gospel but it was that ability to look and to say my god will supply amen you know it's we we hear these scriptures and we see these things on a daily basis here in america but what i saw in india was a a diligence in the way that it was consistently walked out if you get baptized in india 
it's almost like it's a death sentence yes. because you're yeah. marked. And like you said, they watch you. Yeah. They see you over there. And I just think for myself and for all of us here, when we go to work, what would it do? Because for us, I can guarantee you, nobody's looking over your shoulder trying to watch your every move. That's just, that's not, that's not what happens here in America. But yet we act like we're the center of attention. We walk into a room and we're shy. Why are we shy? Because we think everyone is watching us. But we don't live in a nation where every second they're watching. And they're just like the Pharisees did with Jesus. They watched Jesus for every moment that they could try and trap him. And Joseph is walking that out on a daily basis. And yet we go into our jobs and we just try and sit in our cubicles. Or we try to sit in our, in, our, in our places. This is not to condemn anyone. I pray that as we're speaking, the Holy Spirit is convicting us in our hearts of realizing that we serve a God that is so radical and he is so on fire for us. And so as we hear of a man who is daily having to watch and not knowing if he's going to get a knock on the door because police want to come and question him or police want to separate him from his wife or whatever they want to do for the sake of he's a Christian. We have a responsibility as believers here in America to take Jesus. And what's the worst thing that could happen? Somebody says no. When over there, the worst thing that could happen is you go to prison. And so I think we have such a special opportunity here that as we're hearing this, this isn't just communicated knowledge. This is revelatory knowledge that God is wanting to deposit to us here in vision that Northwest Arkansas is our Jerusalem. Joseph was in Hubli for his entire life and God took him to a land that I will show you like he spoke to Abraham. And now he's in a city where there's what? 1.2 million people. 1.2 million, more 1. than 1.2 million people in Mysore, Ooh. India. And here we live in a city of, I don't know, all of Northwest Arkansas. What, what, what's the overall population, Northwest Arkansas? What was that? 250,000. But we have a man here who walks in to a new city that he's never been to and says, God, help me just get one. He was telling, you were telling us that story. You were saying, I'm not coming in trying to save the masses. No, I'm just coming in. Lord, help me save one. Your church yeah. started with a plumber. With, with, with a plumber. One. One. Because we are living in such a generation. Everything, whatever we do, is depending upon popularity or a fame or recognition so this word I am always keeping in my heart and making me ground is this I am not called to be celebrity to be celebrated but I am called to celebrate the celebrity who is Jesus That keeps me grounded all the time. I was, I, I was, I sat down to read the Voice of the Martyrs magazine because I had some time. And I had no idea it was just going to wreck me. But there was this young man that had progressively learned about Jesus. And what, who he was, what he did, 
and that he loved him. And it was a slow process, but when he finally made the decision to receive Jesus, he understood what that meant. We talked a little bit about this this week, that you know, who goes to build a tower and doesn't first count the cost of what it's going to take to build it so he can finish it. And I don't think we look at the cost very much. So he knew what the cost was. And when he finally came to that quality decision where he said yes to Jesus, he knew he had to share it with his dad. And when he told his dad, his dad bawled and bawled and bawled and cried and cried and cried because he knew what it meant. And when he gathered himself after he was done, he gave his son a big hug. He said, I want you to leave and never come back. Don't ever come back here. So his son left. Went to the town square, spent the night in the town square. The next morning, woke up, went to the store, went to the paper, uh, where they sold papers in the market and bought a paper. He opened up the paper and turned to the last page, and there's a huge picture of him in the last page. And it says at the bottom, my wife and I regretfully inform you that our son died yesterday. And so he made this big announcement. And they announced where he was going to be buried. They bought a coffin, they bought a plot. And he said, to this day, there's a marker with my name on it. Because his father was protected. And so, yesterday I was watching, we were watching um, Corey Tenden share her story. And you remember how they're being dragged off to prison. They know they're going to prison. The cops are coming in five minutes. They've been betrayed. And her father is 84 years old at the time. He survived 10 days in prison. And what's the first thing that they do when they find out that the police are on the way? They rip pages out of the Bibles, fold them up, and stick them in their shoes. What would be the most valuable thing that you would take out of your house? If you knew, in five minutes, your life's over as you know it. And just this week that I've spent with you, Pastor Joseph, has just been so convicting for somebody that grew up in a in a free country. In a country where we have liberty, where we have freedom, where you know the persecution that we receive is minimal for being a Christian. But yet we try to, you know, <laughs> we're not walking around with big pictures of Jesus on our chest. And I think we should. <laughs> I'm like so convicted. Did I, did. So anyway, here's what I want to do is I want to pray. I want to pray for you and I want Pastor Joseph to pray for us, 
for me. And those of you that have not, you know in your heart right now that the Holy Spirit has been convicting you this entire time that, that we don't deal with life and death on a, on a daily basis like Pastor Joseph does. And have we really counted the cost of what it means to be born again? Or have we added it to our life like a scarf or a tie or some kind of accessory that we just put on when we come here on Sunday, but then we take it off and leave in the morning? I don't want people at work to know I'm a Christian because then they'll treat me differently. They call me preacher boy. And, you know, instead of being offended by that at work, I, I was like, in my heart going, thank you. Thank you. That means you can see something on me, something in me that's different. And I don't ever have to apologize for that. I had a pastor come to me recently and he was talking about the numbers of his church. He was concerned about numbers falling off. And, pastor Phil, how do you get people to stick? And how do you get people to come where, you know, they stay high and sleep? And I said, I have no idea. I said, but this, let me tell you what I do know. He said, if you point people in his direction, you'll, it'll take your mind off of numbers and you'll focus on him and his presence. So I, I want Pastor Joseph to pray. If that's you and, and you're, you've been convicted in your heart of you, as you've sat here and you've listened to him share and listened to what he goes through on a regular basis, and you're saying, you know what? Maybe maybe you're one of those people that you just never came to a place or could bring yourself to a place where you literally pushed all the chips to the middle of the table and said, yeah, I'm all in. To where there was nothing left. Where you just said, God, I'm giving you all of me. I'm no long, longer going to make these things a priority in my life, but I'm going to make people the priority in my life. People are, are who you want me going after. They're who you want me talking to. They're who you want me praying for. They're who you want me ministering to. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I want all of us to stand because I and I, I want Pastor Joseph to pray. Before I pray, I just want to take a couple of minutes and share something that God has put in my heart. Now, a couple of instances I want to speak and I want to pray. I want you to be attentive for this. I have grown up in a city called Hubli where I am born and brought up over there. My family, my friends, everybody. And you know guys that I am a very good foodie. I eat a lot of beef. I grown up eating that. I know it in, in such a way that every Sunday I eat, every Wednesday I eat, every day I eat. I love eating that. When, when, when God asked me to go to Mysore, I began to go to Mysore. Then I went there, expecting that I get beef to eat. I was very disappointed. The beef that I get there was the worst of the worst. A couple of times we threw it out. So here is the thing, whenever, whenever people ask me, talk me, my, my close friends from Hubli, this is what I used to say. Man, I'm missing beef like anything, man. I want it. Oh, I'm eat. I'm missing it. I, 
I'm not getting it. I'm missing it. I'm not getting it. I'm missing it. I'm not getting it. I'm missing it. Whoever comes and speaks to me, this was my words. One day, one evening, it was like a punch on my face. When I shared this thing to one of my elderly friend who is a pastor in the city of Mars. And I shared that I'm not getting it faster. Ah, Hubli was the best place. That was the best place. It was such a big punch on my face. God reminded me of Israelites. God planned them to take from Egypt to Israel the land of promise that flows with milk and honey. When they were walking and they were going these foolish people they were always reminded to themselves that Egypt was the best place for us to eat the cucumbers or the olives. They missed the milk and honey. They are unable to see the milk and honey what God blessed but they were grumbling and complaining. This was the punch on my face. I started to complain to God that I'm not getting beef. I'm not getting beef but where God has placed higher things for me to win the souls in that land. That changed my that changed my attitude. My friends even this might be to your life. Maybe you are blinded enough not to know where God is leading you for why he has placed you what he has placed you what 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 in a capacity that God has ordained you and placed you You might be thinking of the things that you are missing you might be thinking of the things that you are not having right now but you are missing something very important is that God is leading you to a promised land for a better life for a better place even if you work all of your life will not satisfy you I just want to encourage this and the second thing is that changed my life is proverbs 24:11 that says deliver the people who are drawn towards the death and hold them back those who are stumbling to the slot this is not a request from god or this is not an option from god when god spoke to me this word it was an order from heaven it was an order from heaven where i don't have any options i must obey because god he trusted me and he made me to a generation like this where his word would be fulfilled even god today i want you to meditate that scripture when you go home of proverbs 24:11 and that meditation is this god has commanded you and ordered you to do that it's not it's not a request can we close our eyes and and give ourselves to god Your presence is moving God 
of creation Stir the hearts of your people Holy, holy Father, we thank you, Lord Loving Father who forgave all our iniquities, who forgave all our sins and transgressions, who helped us to overcome our weakness from the dirt of sin, from the dirt of sickness, from the dirt of poverty. You holded our hands and lifted us up. Jesus, you took the place of our shame. I want you to meditate on the words that Holy Spirit is giving right now. Jesus, you took my place of shame. My place of rejection. My place of humiliation. My place of distress. My place of failures. My place of poverty. My place of death. My place of curse. My place of brokenness. My place that I was supposed to be buried alive. And you gave your place of life. Your place of healing. Your place of blessing. Your place of kingdom unto me. Church, God says this to every individual. The Lord is mindful of you. There is someone over here who is broken in your hearts. But the Lord says He is mindful of you. He is mindful of your family. He holds you. He holds you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.